Welcome to the Code Mentor Podcast, where we help mentor you through your coding journey. So sit back and listen up, because today's mentoring session starts right now. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to problem solve like a software engineer or a software developer. So stay tuned. It's going to be a really interesting episode. With me, of course, as always, is my co-host, Karen's Wright. How are you doing today, Karen's? What's going on? I'm doing great. I am doing great. It's a beautiful day, a little chilly. I'm sitting, my new spot now, the podcast is sitting close to a window. And so I'm pretty chilly, but hey, cup of coffee, ready to podcast. I'm ready. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I got my coffee here too. Coffee seems like it runs out a little bit too quickly nowadays when it's cold outside. But, um, you know, something that I just thought about recently was I really need to set aside a portion of my desk for a coffee machine. And after that happens, I think a lot of amazing things are going to happen for me here. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to start solving uh, world problems and stuff. That's what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. I can't wait for us to discuss this the topic on today's episode because I think this is going to help a lot of up-and-coming devs and also try to help people feel more comfortable with the way they go about solving things. But, you know, we're, we're about to get into it. We're about to get into it. Yeah, I, I like the way that you you brought that out because... I think what happens is when you're brand new in tech, you're just starting to learn how to code. And one of the biggest things that I had to learn was how to problem solve like a software engineer. And what I mean by that is we problem solve every single day. No doubt you'll agree with me, Karen's, where you may have an issue that comes up in your daily life, daily routine, and you need to figure out why that particular thing is happening. Maybe the sink in your house stopped working or the toilet starts overflowing or there's something that happens with one of your kids' toys or the TV stopped working or whatever it is. We have to problem solve to figure these things out and fix them. I think the faster we start to understand as we're jumping into tech and learning how to code, we can kind of connect those ideas from fixing a toilet or fixing some drywall or whatever it is, we can take those problem-solving techniques that we've learned and apply them to code. Now you may say, well, how does that even work? How does that, that doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm brand new. I don't know what's going on. I'm just learning the syntax of this programming language. I'm just kind of learning how to actually write code. I feel like I don't have enough space in my brain to learn how to problem solve. But I think a lot of us are already there when it comes to problem solving. So we're going to go through a couple of different steps on what a lot of engineers do. And I'm sure that, you know, you may have some other tips and tricks, Karen's, um, of what maybe you like to do when you're going through and coding. But I'll walk you through my routine and what I do when I'm faced with a problem. And then maybe you can share some tips or you can even ask questions. And uh, we'll go on this journey together. Sound good? That sounds great. I'm ready to get started. Awesome. Awesome. So when you're a software engineer, you will get what's called tickets or tasks. 
And these tasks could be extremely detailed to super vague. So it could be do this particular thing or write this code in a specific way, or, hey, there's a bug here. We don't actually know why this particular feature isn't working. Go figure it out. And <laughs> those, those are the ones that are the most interesting, right? Because they don't know why it's not working and you have no idea why it's not working. Your job is to figure out why. Before we start to actually solve any issues, we need to figure out what the problem actually is. And this is where we start to ask questions. Okay, so when did this problem start? How long has it been going on? Is the problem that big of an issue? That's number one, right? Who is it impacting? So you start to go down a list of asking questions. Once you kind of there with understanding what the problem actually is, then what you do is you start to break it down into a series of steps. So what I like to do is I like to challenge my assumptions for every single step. So I said, okay, so let's go through and figure out how it should be working. So when this feature was built, so let's say that when users go to my website and they log in, they're not able to log in. That would be something that you get from, from a product manager, maybe. Hey, we got this bug. Users can't log in. All right, cool. So how long has this problem been going on? Well, it's been going on maybe for a couple of days. We just started noticing it. We started getting complaints. All right. What happens when you actually try to go and log in? Well, we get this, we get this error message that pops up and the whole site crashes. Uh-oh. Okay. So you gotta, gotta go fix that. So then when you actually go in and you start testing this out, you start following the path. As a user, I go down and start entering, right, some credentials or figuring, adding stuff in here. And lo and behold, it does the exact same thing. So then you've actually confirmed your assumption of this site is actually not working, right? Because sometimes <laughs> uh, I've been in situations where you'll get a bug ticket and something is working in the way it was designed. Oh, users can't log in. Well, they're putting in the wrong credentials and they're getting the error message back that says <laughs> you can't log in, right? Uh, that's not uh, that's not a bug. That's the way it was intended to be. So once you start to go down and start to understand the problem, then we start to break things down. Let's actually break this down into different pieces. So the first thing I want to do is figure out where this error is happening in the code. So for a lot of engineers, what they'll do is they'll either use a debugger, they'll use console logs, they'll have different methods. And we'll start to go through and we'll see exactly where in the code this is actually happening. And you'll step through the code as it's actually happening and say, okay, so this, this particular error is happening right here when I do this specific thing, right? So as you can see, we're getting more and more granular as we go down. So we've started with a very wide net and you're slowly starting to bring that net in and slowly starting to constrain all your variables. You go from wide to small and slowly start to zero in on exactly what's going on. So at this point, right, we haven't even begun to solve the problem. We're still in the understanding the problem phase. So as we start to go through line by line this code and step through, we lo and behold come to the place that is causing this specific issue. So now we know where in the code this error is coming from. We know where it's broken. So great, we've just solved one piece of our puzzle.
We know exactly where it's broken, but we don't actually know why it's broken. So that moves on to our another piece of problem solving, right? Is figuring out why something doesn't work. And that involves going in and challenging our assumptions. How was this working previously? Once you can solve why it's actually happening, then you can actually start to figure out how do you actually fix this? When you're brand new, a lot of times what you wanna do is you wanna jump in right to a solution. You wanna fix this immediately. And that is not the way that a lot of experienced engineers do that, right? They will go through a series of steps before they actually get to the point where they fix something. So now we're at the point now where we've went through the code, we found exactly where in the code this problem's happening, and we started to debug why this problem is happening. So we go through and we start adding code into our code to figure out why it's happening. At that point, we figure out, okay, we understand why this is happening. Maybe there was a typo. Maybe someone introduced some other code that broke this code, right? That happens all the time. And now we figured out why this is happening. Now we get to the point where we start writing code. So we go in, we, we write the code, and now we start to challenge our assumption to see if it's actually fixed. So as you start to run the code, does this meet the standard I'm expecting? Yes, okay, great. No, then we go back to the previous step. Why is it not working? All right, so maybe we introduced another bug or maybe we didn't quite fully understand the problem to begin with, right? And then we kind of loop back and, and run through it again. That's usually how I would problem solve something. Then of course, when you get to the end, you fix the problem. But as you can see, like the methods to problem solving take a while. It's not this one size fits all. And it's, and it's not a very quick process. It, it's a very methodical, slow process to actually problem solve like an engineer. Right. You know, and that's what I was about to say for our listeners. During this episode, I'm going to play the developer devil's advocate here, or the was good cop, bad cop, good dev, bad dev. But so Aaron, I'm a dev that I've been coding for years. I have seen this problem pop up time and time again. I know exactly how to fix it. I don't think that it's a good use of my time to try to figure out the why. It's just, it's all about just fixing a problem. Boom, it's done. What do you have to say about that, Aaron? Why why spend the time to figure out the why? 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 This is another thing that I think sometimes will trip new folks up. And even older uh, developers too, right? Where they'll get into a routine of pattern matching and they pattern match so much that they say, oh, well, I've seen this problem a million times. I know exactly what's wrong. They will skip their own process because I guarantee you this imaginary engineer we're talking about here has went through and had a process for solving problems and they have figured out the why, which is the reason why they can say they believe this to be the problem. But many times what we're doing when we're pattern matching is we're assuming that this particular problem matches the other problems that we've seen before. It may be like the problems that we've seen before, but it may not be exactly like the problems we've seen before. 
So what happens is if we assume that it's the same and we go and we just add code to fix it before we actually understand the why behind it, then we end up running into problems where maybe it kind of temporarily fixed the problem or maybe it doesn't fix the problem at all. And now you're scratching your head trying to figure out what's going on. And then the other problem that we have too is if we don't quite understand why a problem is going on, you don't get the knowledge you need necessary to explain the issue and explain why the issue occurred to other developers on the team. Because a lot of times when you fix a bug, you'll go into what's called knowledge share. And you want to ensure that the entire team knows why something happened and how it was fixed. And that way, you're not just keeping this knowledge to yourself. You're able to spread this knowledge around so that no matter who on your team may encounter this issue in the future, they know, oh, okay, well, I remember AB told me the reason why this particular thing happened before is because of ABCD. Let me go ahead and verify that, right? Let me, and that speeds up their troubleshooting process and that enables them to be a better developer. And that, that enables you to be a better mentor. Yes. And I, I love the point that you're bringing out about the knowledge share. I worked for an amazing IT manager when I was working as an IT technician, we all reported to a senior IT manager and she created a massive knowledge base. But her main point, the main reason she did that is because she said in IT, we tend to have a tendency to just hoard knowledge and information to ourselves because you're afraid of becoming irrelevant. And so there's this appeal in being the the wise person or the guru or the person, hey, this is the this is the dev that we all go to to find the answers. All of us go to this dev, you know. But it's extremely important that we all work together, even when you're working in project management and you're working along with developers. It's important for all of us to figure out why an issue happened. And I know that I was mentored by a project manager. My boss encouraged me to take a look at the problems, the bugs, and understand why it happened. And don't take a step back and say, oh, you know, that's hey, that's the developers. That's that's your that's your realm. You guys take care of that. And so we it's it's important that we all knowledge share and to share this information because you never know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And so when as many individuals understand what's taking place, as many as possible can understand what took place and why, then that can help to alleviate a lot of issues that come up in the future. Because I did work for an organization one time where unfortunately one individual, he knew the ins and outs of the system. And so just, you know, not going into all the details, but a situation happened where he went on vacation and you already know what took place. You know, you already know how things, how it all transpired. And so it's important to have that knowledge share. And so throughout this process, Aaron, I have to ask you, 
Does documentation matter? Does it matter? And where does it come into play? What would you have to say about that? Documentation. It's the thing I think a lot of developers love to hate. I think the issue is that a lot of documentation isn't written very well. So you'll have a crop of developers who say, well, instead of trying to read some incoherent mess that someone's written, let me just troubleshoot by myself and figure it out. And you can learn a lot from that, but there's nothing like well-written documentation. So one thing that I like to say is think about your future self. So we can think about future Karen's, future AB, and as we're going through a problem or as we finish a feature, the question is, would future AB or future Karen's understand this feature or understand this bug that was just solved as intimately as I do now? And if the answer to that is no, then documentation needs to be written. And it needs to be written in a way that you will understand it coming back. And chances are, if you can understand it coming back, reading the documentation, other people can too. And what happens is if everybody on the team does that, you'll get into a situation where everything is documented or close to everything is documented. So you won't have running, you won't have the situation where the lead developer has went on vacation and he's backpacking through the Himalayas for four weeks and things are just in chaos, right? No, you'll have the same lead in engineer taking some well-deserved time off and the team is fine, right? Because they have documentation, they have the things that they need and they're running like a well-oiled machine. And that's what documentation really can do for a team if it's done right and most important thing is if it's kept up to date. So that has to be done. So I really enjoy documentation. I think reading documentation is really good. And a tip for all the new developers out there, when you are starting to learn, go to the MDN docs, look up things. Even if you may know how an array method works, look it up, take a look you are going to find new things about that particular array method that you didn't know previously, or you're going to find different, different ways of maybe using that particular object method in ways that you probably never even thought. Uh, because documentation is there for a reason. It's going to help you out, and it's going to help you increase your knowledge. So documentation is amazing. Yes, and so that's absolutely... That's absolutely right. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I, even in the project management line of work, I have found that it's useful just to go about it almost like, <laughs> like the old timey detective shows where the detective is chronicling his activity, speaking into a, a little personal recorder. I have, I've just started talking to text um, in my phone. And so, you know, it's because some individuals may say, well, man, I just, you know, I don't have time. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sit in front of a keyboard at all times, especially if you are in the line of tech where you're standing in front of a server or standing in front of a rack 
full of ethernet cables and a, switches, things such as that, you may have to, even if you're just talking to text and then putting it all together at a later point in time, that can be extremely useful. Documentation can go a very long way. No matter what job you have, whether it's in tech or not, having a knowledge base with nice, clearly written documentation can help the team and the organization. And so here's a question for you, Aaron. Also, I wanted to bring this up. When we are talking about problem solving and we are talking about just the thought of solving a problem and then, but we, you, you can't really get to the why part. So you may have to go online and you may have to go to Google or Stack Overflow. And you may have to look at someone else's block of code. Or maybe you have, maybe you have understood the why part. But the part where you get to the, the part where you are putting lines of you're inputting lines of code but you're still just sort of stumped. Is it considered cheating when you go and take a look at someone else's code? I think some people may say, well, you know what? I can even say some people. I don't think there's any software engineer that I've ever met that hasn't looked at other people's code. I mean, that's how you learn. Your day every day is reading code. And the more you grow as a software engineer, the more code you read. So reading someone else's code, I think is gonna be a good way to figure out the flaws in your own. You can see, oh, wow, I didn't know that you could do that. This, or I didn't know that you could create this function in this particular way. Or, wow, I really like the simplicity of this person's code. I'm going to copy that because I can guarantee you the person who wrote that code most likely didn't create or was not the originator of that style of code or was not the person who originally just came up with the idea to have that way of coding. They probably learned it from other people or they probably looked online. They probably had a mentor. They probably worked with other developers who are really good and so on and so forth. You go off and you're looking at snippets of code to figure out how to solve a problem. There's nothing wrong with that, right? What you don't want to do is you don't want to go to Stack Overflow and copy and paste. Please don't do that because what's going to happen is if you just copy paste code that you don't understand, that you think is doing something, you are relying on another developer to do your job for you. And you are assuming that that developer knew exactly what they were doing. You're assuming that. So when you copy and paste code, you, you really kind of are cheating yourself in that respect because you're not really learning anything, right? Now, if you know how the code works and you, you're copying and pasting code and you can tell someone exactly how that particular code works, okay, fine, right? You can do that. But don't copy and paste code that you that you don't know 
how it works, that you cannot explain every single line in that code. Because it will, if you can't understand it, nine times out of 10, other devs on the team are not going to understand it either. And they're going to be asking you questions. Hey, why did you put this here? Well, I saw it on Stack Overflow and I copied and pasted. Uh, <laughs> please don't do that. No. And they're going to reject that, reject that PR, right? So uh, while no, it's not cheating or anything like that, Googling is not cheating. Looking things up is not cheating. Um, that's all involved in problem solving skills. You do just want to be cautious and make sure that you understand what you are copying or what you're using. Yeah, especially appreciate the point that you brought out. There's nothing wrong with copying or not. There's nothing wrong with taking a look, but you don't want to copy and paste because you are cheating yourself. That's the point I was trying to make is it's almost a form of knowledge sharing because this information is out in public domain, but you don't want to just copy and paste. You want to make sure that you are understanding what's taking place and then looking at someone else's code, but just getting an understanding of where where the, what the thought process is and how this is actually going about and solving the problem. So, okay, so you, it's a great, great description. You brought out how the problem is brought to your attention. And we'll just go back to the problem of users cannot log in. They cannot log in. And so you have determined the why and you are now at the point where you are going to start coding. You're going to start inputting code and implementing a solution. So is it just, am I, if I sit down and I start coding and I am thrilled because I know the solution, what caution is there when I have this feeling come over me that I know the solution, I'm gonna jam this out as quick as possible, and I'm going to be the hero. What caution is there? What caution needs to be taken when my, you know, I'm I'm thrilled, I'm excited. I know I, I, I'm going to be the hero and I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this code out and I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to solve the problem. So what caution is there? You may know the why, but everything's an assumption until proven true or false. So you may have an assumption about why the users can't log in, and you may even have an assumption on what line of code, and your assumptions may be correct. But as you start to write code, you are really testing those assumptions. You don't want to just write code as fast as possible and just throw it out there because once you're done writing the code, and let's say that it works, let's say you write this code, it works, you are now overjoyed, Karen's, because you have fixed this problem. Well, the next thing that you have to do is you're going to have to actually test that code. That means either writing unit tests, writing integration tests, and also physically testing it to make sure that it works in all, all the test cases. Because a lot of times where bugs happen, they happen because something wasn't tested in a certain way. And I cannot reiterate this enough. Anything that you think a user won't do, that is probably what they'll end up doing 
to that particular site. If you're writing code and you'll say, well, the user would never just put in one, two, three, four, five. The user would never do that, right? They would never put that as a password. Or the user would never mix up their password and their email address. Or the, the, the user would never do this or this. I guarantee you it's going to happen, right? Which is why testing edge cases is so important. And an edge case is where a case is so far on the edge or the realm of possibility for this particular feature that testing it seems weird to you. Why would I test a user putting in a password in the username field? Why would I test a user putting in one, two, three, four? Those are things that you have to test. So. We don't want to jump the gun and say that everything is fixed unless we've actually tested our code. Testing is extremely important because it validates our assumptions. Now, once it's been tested and once it's kind of went through your round of testing, your unit tests, integration tests, physical testing, then of course it goes off to QA and gets tested even more. And at that point, once that's done, you can say, okay, I believe that I have solved this particular bug. Yeah. That's an awesome piece of in advice and insight. I think in a lot of industries that, that I've been in, and a lot of our listeners can relate, there's this understanding or this common belief that faster is better. Faster is the best quality. Clients, managers, customers, vendors, everybody wants fast, 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 fast solutions, fast turnaround. But in the world of software development, I have definitely, I've definitely seen where it takes time and time spent. You you brought out at the start where many of our listeners may be listening to the scenario that you deliver and thinking to themselves oh my goodness this is wow that's that's taking a lot of time though that's I mean that, that's that's a lot of time and so you know I I'm gonna put this across to you Aaron and just speak to your speak about your own experience what if you have a product owner product manager or just a client and you have a problem in front of you and you are it's just the the way the saying goes you're knocking your head against you're beating your head against the wall you just feel like you're you're just running into a brick wall and on the other side of that the other party wants solutions now 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 how do you navigate that when you have other your scrum master or your product owner or project manager or client or customer success rep, sales, how do you handle that as a developer when they want solutions now? They want the solution now, 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 but you you know that you have to work through this problem in a methodical way. So how do you navigate those waters? I, I think that is probably one of the biggest fears of new devs. They're on a team, they've been assigned maybe their first couple of tickets and it's gone pretty well. And then they get a dreaded ticket where they feel like they're taking a long time and the pressure's really coming down and uh, product asking, so when is this gonna be completed? And 
Uh, maybe it's for a big customer, right? And the one thing I will say is it really just depends on a couple of different factors. So I always like to ask questions because it helps you get to the root of the problem. Why is it taking a long time? That'd be my question. So is it that you don't understand it? Is it super complicated? Is that the reason why you don't understand it? Or is it something else where it's just, it's something that's going to take some time to get right? If it's something where you don't quite understand it, then there are remedies you can put in place to help you along with that, right? So you can reach out to a senior engineer on the team and say, hey, can you pair with me on this particular solution? Because I believe that I'm on the right track, but I don't quite know. Can you help me with this? But there could be instances where maybe you're, maybe you know exactly what's going on, but in order to get this problem solved, it's just going to take time. It's a really intricate problem to solve, but in order to really solve, it's going to take time. And you want to make sure that you do it right. Here's where communication comes in. I, and we've had our, our talk on soft skills, Karen. So you already know what I'm going to say. Communication, right? That's the biggest thing. And you're going to use those communication skills, those soft skills that you've been developing. You're going to have conversations with the product owners. And you're going to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is why it's taking so long. And you can give people, and if they come at you and say, well, we need this done now, then you know what you can ask? You can say, okay, well, here are the trade-offs. I can do this really fast and we can run into a problem down the road, or I can do this a little bit slower and methodical and we can get this fixed once and we don't have to deal with it again. But I'll say that most of the times, most product owners are pretty reasonable when it comes to things. As long as you explain things to them, they will have your back, especially with the customers, and they will go to bat for you as long as you are methodically working on it and things aren't falling too, too behind schedule and you are making progress. That is the most important thing. Are you making progress? Because if it, it's, it's a totally different thing if you have stalled out for days and you have no idea what the problem is and you're not asking for help. You're not um, reaching out to people. You're not letting anybody know what's going on. That becomes the problem. So communication is going to be key here. If there's any part of this episode where I can absolutely add my two plus cents, and it's because I'm speaking from personal experience. It can be intimidating in the world of tech, especially when you have your first job, you, you've succeeded, you've gone through the interview, interview process, and you are thrilled, and you want to just, it's, you have this feeling of, I'm, I have to be perfect, I have to be perfect, I, you know, I, I and so what comes along with that is the avoidance or refraining from asking for help throwing out, you know, throwing out the lifeline or just waving, you know, waving for help. And so many of us will avoid that because you want to solve the problem. You have it on your resume. I am a problem solver. I'm a quick learner. And so 
when it comes to these situations where you have to solve a bug and it's critical, mission critical, you have to ask for help. You can't be afraid to reach out for help. You have to swallow your pride and just ask for help, you know, because that I've mentioned it before. These have been these have been times when I have learned the most and I have grown the most when I've reached out and asked for help. And so you don't want to suffer in silence. You want to think there there may be we'll discuss a decent amount of these myths next episode. But there is the myth that when you are a dev, you have you're a mastermind at solving problems and there isn't a problem that's too big. And so I can just tell you right now, spoiler alert, that's absolutely you know a myth that you have to be just an individual no, no problem can stump you you know that that doesn't that doesn't equate to that is what makes a good software developer someone that is never stumped and so that's a part of the learning process and frank quite frankly you know i i know for myself i love puzzles i love solving things and so having challenges put before me that are difficult, sometimes it can be exciting. You know, there are times when it's, it's stressful. It can bring about some anxiety and stress, but at the same time, view it as this opportunity to learn and grow and to solve this puzzle because you you feel amazing. Even when you work with a team, you feel amazing after you've come to the solution, you have succeeded, and there you go. And so, hey, that that's, I have to add that do not be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No one gets anywhere alone. That is the truth of the matter. And if you're a brand new to software engineering, brand new developer, and we're walking through these troubleshooting techniques and you're saying, wow, I don't know if I could do that. And starting out, you may not be able to, right? But the most important thing on this list with troubleshooting is you, you're not afraid to ask questions and you're not afraid to ask for help. Many times what I see with brand new engineers, they come onto the team, they will dig into a problem, which is really good. You do want to dig into a problem, but they will go way too long without asking any questions. And then by the time that they do ask the question, they become so frustrated that they don't even know where to begin. And, and that's been the ex my experience too. When I was brand new, I did the exact same thing, right? And it takes learning when your point is to reach out. And quite frankly, even as a senior engineer, there are many points where you will need to reach out for help that other people will have information that you just don't have yet. And that's okay. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to know at all. That's the most important thing when it comes to problem solving. It's okay if you don't know the answer. And communicating that you don't know is probably one of the best things that you can do as a software engineer. That may seem counterintuitive. If I tell people that I don't know, then, then my manager is going to start questioning why they even hired me in the first place, right? They're hiring me because I know all the answers. No. They're not hiring you because you know all the answers. They're hiring you because they believe that you are good at solving problems. 
Solving problems has nothing to do with knowing everything. Nobody does it on their own. Nobody. And if anybody tells you that they did it on their own, they are lying to you and you should run away from them as fast as possible because they're going to lead you down a path that is going to get you into some serious trouble. So knowing when to reach out during the troubleshooting point is going to help you. And as you start to learn, of course, you'll know what your limit is. Now, I'm not saying as soon as you jump into a problem, well, I don't know this, so I'm just going to reach out for help, right? No, you know, you do want to give it a good go, right? You do want to try to spin your wheels a little bit, struggle a little bit, especially when you're brand new. Struggling is good. However, you don't want to struggle to the point of frustration. When, you're, when you feel yourself getting frustrated about to pull your hair out before you get to that point, reach out for help so that you can get some help to continue down the path. And a good senior engineer is usually going to help you and say, have you tried this? And they'll ask you questions. Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Right. And they will help you and lead you down the path. And a lot of times just having a conversation with someone about a problem is something that will help you break through. And as you're talking about it, a lot of times you'll say, oh, that's right. I need to look at this. And you'll unblock yourself. It just took that reaching out to somebody. It took that explaining the problem out loud. It took that getting it out of your head, getting a fresh perspective to get yourself unblocked. That is probably one of the, the most important things I would say. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. Yeah. We have a lot of listeners that we hope and we look forward to hearing about this soon. A lot of listeners that will, they are probably making a change into going into tech, or maybe if they are already in tech, maybe they're changing over into software development. And so this is great information, great information, because there are, it's just a part of pretty much any job, but especially in software development problems, head scratching issues, they are going to come about making sure that we follow these steps, have the right attitude and go about it in this creative way. It helps a lot of us. This actually, you know what I'm thinking, thinking I'm going to listen to this episode again and take some notes and apply it to my line of work, Aaron. I, I appreciate you helping me with this. Sure. Yeah, no problem. I think it's it's a good refresher for everyone. And as me, uh, someone who's you know been engineering for a little bit, even talking about it helps reinforce those ideas even in me, right? So it's really good to talk about this. This is a, a really good episode. So Karen's, what have you been up to lately? Well, I have a an amazing opportunity. I'll make the official announcement very soon, but I have I have a new organization that I'm joining. It's been a lot of fun. And so what I'm doing, what I've been up to lately, I have been working my way towards my start date and setting up my new office area in my home, setting that up. And I'm actually going to take care of a few self, just some self-learning goals. There is some more Python certifications that I want to obtain. And I'm working my way towards building something 
in Python, something that I can share as well. But something that really excited me recently this week, I at the start of the pandemic, I would hold little intro to Python classes for young people. And so this past week, I had a coding session, just an intro to Python with some a few friends. And these are all individuals who have actually listened to our podcast and they are interested in changing over into tech. And so, you know, I let it's it's not a, a class where or a session where I'm saying, hey, you guys, code in Python. That's it's the latest and greatest, you know, no other language out there. It's not that. It's just teaching them some fundamental concepts of coding. And it just so happens, you know, I, I taught myself Python a few, starting in 2017, I was started teaching myself Python. And so I'm just showing them some of those basics. And it was really exciting. It's been, it's been exciting to get back into that. Sometimes you can just kind of steer away from the things that you love. And so that's what I've been up to lately. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's good to continue to teach other people and pass on what you learn. That's really awesome. One of the things that I've been preparing to do to uh, create some new talks or conferences, but that is what I've been up to uh, is preparing for those uh, talks. And I think we'll probably end up having a podcast episode about one of the topics that I'll be going over. So that'll be interesting. So hopefully I do well in that. That's awesome. I look I look forward to hearing that. I want to gotta gotta hear more about these conferences because I I as well I want to start attending conferences, whether it's in person or virtual, just trying to get out there and make some new connections and get some new ideas. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's it's interesting because if you've never gotten a chance to go, if you're just jumping into the uh, the tech space, go to one. Uh, see if you know your job can cover, or just take time off. And if it's local to you, go to one. See how you like it, because you meet so many different people, and it's a good way to network too. If you're trying to get your foot into tech and you're trying to figure out what job you want, or you're even trying to find a job. Going to these conferences is going to help you network with people, find jobs. There's all kinds of people there, companies hiring for software engineers and other tech roles, and they would be happy to talk to you. So going to conferences are a really good thing to do, not just educationally, but also for your career as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah. Hey, listeners, we have a lot of exciting episodes upcoming. This has been this has been great, Aaron. We have some big plans for the organ. We're, we're trying to create an organization, trying to create a network of podcasts and content to help others. And so stay tuned. We we have some big plans we're trying to put into place. Indeed, it's going to be the year of changes, 2023. Uh, even the name of the podcast, I think, will probably end up changing. So Stay tuned for some really good changes down the line. All right. Well, that's been an episode. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you in the next one. All right. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Code Mentor Podcast. 
where we help mentor you through your coding journey. We are currently on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts for the moment, and we'll be coming to more platforms soon, so stay tuned. If you enjoyed the podcast or want us to cover a certain topic, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at CodeMentor. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you in the next one.